0: This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. It's Thursday, March 11th. Here's today's news. Brought to you by Hot Seat, a new memoir from Jeff Immelt, the former CEO of General Electric. Raw, honest, intimate, Hot Seat is that and more, as Immelt recounts what it's like to be a leader in times of crisis. Buy your copy of Hot Seat today wherever books are sold. Our Top Story The $1.9 trillion COVID-19 relief bill President Joe Biden is expected to sign this week could flood Georgia's state government with about $4.7 billion and local governments with billions more. The big question at the state capitol these days is, what do we do with all that money? To put it in perspective, it's the equivalent of adding about 17% to the $27.2 billion state budget that the Georgia House just passed for the upcoming fiscal year. The state constitution gives Governor Brian Kemp the say over how the money will be spent, and his staffers note the federal treasury department will have to provide guidelines for using the money, just as it did last spring when the CARES Act was approved early in the COVID-19 pandemic. But the relief bill is already causing initial political skirmishes that highlight the difference between what statehouse Republicans and Democrats think should be done. In other news, a Georgia woman jailed in Washington, D.C. for storming the U.S. Capitol is claiming a blanket decision by jail officials to segregate accused insurrectionists from other prisoners is unfair to Trump supporters. Two different systems of justice cannot exist in a system of equal justice under law, Attorney Gregory Smith argued at a Wednesday hearing for suspect Lisa Marie Eisenhart in Washington. This is what is happening here. Smith said the especially restrictive conditions could undermine the confidence in the court's handling of January 6th suspects in a district that voted 92.1% for Biden. Federal prosecutors and jail officials said a decision was made to classify all January 6th suspects as maximum security inmates and separate them from the rest of the inmates, in part for their own protection, with lawyers arguing that the notorious nature of the allegations against them could make them a target for abuse by other inmates. Meanwhile, an Atlanta City Council committee on Tuesday approved a measure that would impose an additional tax on businesses and apartment complexes around the Beltline to fund the completion of the trail by 2030. The vote to advance the legislation, which is set for a vote by the full council on Monday, comes as criticism swells over the proposal and how it could impact businesses and renters. The Special Service District would increase property taxes for commercial and multifamily property owners near the Beltline Path, including areas that aren't yet paved. A property appraised at $1 million would pay an additional $800 per year, according to Beltline documents outlining the plan. The increase could be in place for 15 to 20 years. Owner-occupied homes, condos, or townhomes would not be subject to the tax hike. And finally, Stacey Abrams said there should be a hue and cry from business leaders in opposition to far-reaching proposed voting restrictions in Georgia and other states, instead of the more guarded response from corporate titans in the weeks since the measures were first introduced. The Georgia Democrat called on athletes and other activists to demand that businesses more forcefully speak out against restrictive proposals, such as Georgia measures that would severely limit who could vote by mail. There were businesses that were silent in the election for whatever reason, but there should be no silence from the business community when anyone in power is trying to strip away the right to vote from the people. She said on a call Tuesday, organized by Fair Fight Action and More Than a Vote, two prominent voting rights organizations, there should be a hue and cry.